afternoon, good evening, good night. On this beautiful February the 8th, 2024, from Southern California, by way of the internet and its magical powers. I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for joining the show. Our format of scary stories has gone quite well. I might keep it for a little bit. There's still some things that I'm, I'll research and uh, we'll do a little bit of expository shows. But for the right now, I think it's working. Uh, I've been reaching out to people to interview. I think I got a couple in the loop. Excuse me. So with that being said, I hope you guys are doing well out there. As you all know, being faithful listeners, I'm going to put our little um, clutch. What's going on here? Horsehair. Good to see you. I'm putting a link here if you guys want to join us into the show and uh, give us a little bit of insight into your scary preferences and stories that maybe you heard sometimes long ago, but have still made a home within your memory. Would appreciate those. So, three ways to contact us we have our faithful join us in the back dungeon of our program here with a link. You'll come in and you'll be able to join us at a better quality of voice. The second option is to simply call our show's phone number, which is 951-888-0313. And the last option is to scan the QRC code in the top right-hand corner of your phone kind of hard uh tv or whatever you're watching us and that will bring you right into the what's up application and yeah so yesterday i was listening to art bell as i do uh seldom i mean yeah uh before going to bed it's kind of like a ritual and there was a one particular story that i thought was worth sharing i mean all of them are worth sharing but this one in particularly uh was nice so this must have been i think in the 90s um i should have saved the the show but anyways art had opened lines and there was a gentleman from ireland who called he called from northern ireland he had a very thick irish accent but you can differentiate and you can see what he was saying um and sometimes people that possess these accents they kind of draw you near um, basically they command more of your attention so <clears throat> this gentleman was uh retelling a story that happened to him when he was a young lad uh in northern ireland must have been in his 20s he said and you know as we all do in our 20s we do a lot of foolish things he was uh, involved in a lot of drinking a lot of partying and a lot of visitations to the local pub on one of these particular nights, this gentleman said that he was, you know, messing around, fooling around with his friends, uh, having a lot of uh, drink, and um, he started playing um, darts when all of a sudden somebody smacked him in the back of the head, uh, which led him to, uh, you know, all of a sudden be startled. By the time he kind of got his bearings and he looked towards the front door, he noticed there was a gentleman running at the club. Uh, 
at the pub that is and so he decided to pursue him he started running he said after this person that was running in front of him and the gentleman looked to be about 60s yeah about in his 60s now mind you our main character of the story was in his 20s um you know 20 year old body very agile but he said for the life of him he could not catch up to this guy that seemed to be in his 60s he wanted to confront him ask him what was going on why did he had you know what he why he smacked him um and uh what was his reasoning behind this so they ran i think about two to three blocks and he was still unable to catch up and it got to a point in which the gentleman that was running away from face to face and all he saw our character was somebody with white hair and thick black rimmed glasses this gentleman looked at him profoundly turned around kept running and their main gentleman said forget I'm not chasing this guy anymore uh, went back to the pub the story always stuck with him that he thought it was very odd that an old guy would hit him and smack him on the back of the head lo and behold the years passed and one day this gentleman realized that now he had white hair and he wore the same black glasses that the gentleman that smacked him did and so he put two and two together and it might have been him who somehow was able to travel back and knock some sense into a foolish 20-year-old and i thought that story was very very cool that he went back in time smacked himself in the head and sort of got away from him um he seemed very frank very sincere and art was blown away as yes, so was i i like these stories sometimes that they have a you know they have these sort of um weird endings if you will you know so i thought it was very cool and i decided to share it today um Michaela hi clutch how are you and widow what's going on thank you guys for joining us have you guys joined our um new channel that i created developed uh, into a all things art bell if you haven't uh join it that'll that'll help me and it'll help you i found yesterday i found a trove of cool stuff that i'm putting on the channel now this is sort of like my throwaway account so if it gets dinged or blocked i don't care but for the meantime it, we are uh i haven't got any strikes i don't plan to get any strikes but you never know um the name of the channel is youtube.com forward slash at art bell files okay i'll put a link into that so you guys can can look into that but uh what's cool about this is that i'm finding all these really 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 old art bell uh shows the oldest one i found was from uh september 19th 1993 uh which is live right now it's gotten a lot of views in one day uh and this is from a show that art bell was doing that's called area 2000 okay this is an early 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 rpl the quality is not the best but i found about five or i found about nine of these shows that i'll be posting daily um do yourself a favor and listen to it this one has bob lazar and it also has 
um, uh, uh, Lear, uh, the gentleman that started the Lear Jet, forgot his first name. Anyways, it's a very early Art Bell show, and uh, there's still more stuff out there that I'm looking for. I, I met up with a guy too during uh, via a Facebook group that I um, I'm part of, just an Art Bell um, Facebook group. And this guy uh, is really, really cool. He compiled a list. I mean, uh, he's compiled a list in regards to every single show uh, that our bell has ever uh, produced and it's ever been a part of. And so I saved that list, obviously. It's called the Art Bell File. And it has shows here. He, This guy compiled everything. I mean, there's the... There's 122 pages worth of information. And the first show here that is marked, so it's like the earliest, earliest uh, Art Bell show, it's from March 27, 1992. And it goes all the way to the last show in 2015, I believe, was the last show that Art did, the farewell show, the New Year show. It was, uh, it was actually, yeah, he did a, uh, it was the March 11th, 2016. It was his final show. So it covers a period of, God, I'm bad at math, but at least 20-something years, uh, 20-something and 25 years or so. So it's cool. I'm kind of doing a deep dive into the list and trying to find the old shows. Because if you are Art Bell fan, as we all are, you find usually the same uh, stuff that's been posted over and over again. So visit the channel, which is going to be youtube.com forward slash at Art Bell Files. Join that channel. Okay, you won't be um, you won't be disappointed. I also found one of my um, one of my like saddest shows that I have uh, on Art Bell and it was placed uh, on the channel yesterday. So that's live. And let me see here. That one has to do with the passing of Ramona Bell. As you know, that was Art's second wife. And uh, it's Art Bell show in which it has Michio Kaku and Ramona Bell passing, which is at the first uh, 45 minutes, he goes into a detailed, uh, you know, story approach into how um, Ramona Bell passed away. And it's a very human uh, and uh, sad story for all of you guys that would like to to know a little bit more about the person of who Arbel uh, was. Okay, and so now this gentleman that was able to kind of put all this to, you know, everything together, I asked him, I said, hey, why don't you come on the show so I can interview you and we can talk all things Arbel, which would be kind of cool because I'm sure that this gentleman has um, a lot of knowledge. Okay, so I'm waiting for his reply. With that being said, um, I'm gonna man the lines and Widow says, uh, Art Bell was amazing, but George does a good job. I was able to make it on Ghost to Ghost with George in 211, fun stuff. Yeah, it's funny, but uh, a lot of these, uh, like that particular early show, that uh, Area 2000 shows, actually George Knapp uh, is there. He is sort of like the correspondent for the show. These guys, the friendship went a long time. Uh, and it's unfortunate about what happened towards the end but they're, they're, yeah they were buddies before that um yeah so i don't i don't listen to coast to coast anymore because uh, there's something about the art bell thing that just kind of soothes me and i haven't been able to um 
I haven't been able to find that with any other um, host, if you will. But anyways, so let's get into our daily uh, scary stories, shall we? Let's see. This one is titled The White Witch. This is also from a Reddit um, that I found. It says, in the early 80s, I lived in Okinawa, Japan. My dad thought that seeing the world would be an adventure that would help me and my brother become better men. And I have to say that I think that he was right. Being in the military showed me cultures many would never get to experiment, and I am very thankful for every single experience that life has given to me, even the scary ones. While we lived in Japan with my dad, uh, he wanted us to have a fully immersive experience, so he chose us to move into a small Japanese neighborhood off the base. We lived in a little house at the top of an enormous hill in a cul-de-sac that overlooked the entire bay. I'd kid you not, part of a huge zoo, and on one side was a fairly large cemetery. Our particularly house was set far above the monkey habitats, about a mile downhill. Between us and those habitats was nothing but thick Indiana Jones-style jungle. Jungle, the neighborhood kids and I would tromp through endlessly daily, ignoring the local warnings about poisonous snakes and ancient, untripped mines from World War II. Man, what a dangerous thing to do. We were the only American family living in that particular cul-de-sac, completely surrounded by Japanese family, and it was truly an amazing experience. The kids loved us, and although we couldn't communicate through language very well, we understood each other perfectly. Well, most of the time. Opposite us was an older couple with a lush garden surrounding their property. The older woman wanted us to call her Mama-san, and she had helping us. Uh, she had us helping her in her garden whenever she could coax us to come over with green tea and chocolate banana cookies. We loved her very much. She was so welcoming and so generous, as was everybody else, actually. We lived in a wonderful neighborhood. The only drawback was that Mama-san's home. The only drawback to Mama-san's home, however, was that she directly overlooked the cemetery. And that cemetery was unlike any cemetery that I've ever seen. Because Okinawa is an island, burials don't happen very often. Instead, above-ground crypts are built. Many of them build into the side of the hills that make up the island itself. The crypts are quite large, made of huge arcs of polished stone. Sit over a large square of that stone, which has a quarter-inch insert cut into the middle of it for the coffin to be placed inside of it. Once inside, the square is inset with another piece of polished stone just inside, leaving a kind of shelf on the outside, so offerings could be made to love uh, to your lost loved ones. Yens, often food, flowers, sometimes incense, are some of the most common offerings that are given to the past uh, to the dead. Below Mama San's house was a valley that swooped back into another hill opposite her home. That valley and both hills were covered with these crypts and spider webbing up and down through the crypts were various stone steps pathways that were old and badly maintained uh, used to be. It was quite a sight. One evening, Mama San asked me to come visit her alone. She had something to show me, but it was only for me as the older brother, not for my little brother. I was intrigued and a bit proud. I agreed. 
She took me to the back of her garden and set me on a thick wooden bench that was carved with scenes of fishermen and with swords and told me that she had a story to tell me. Mama-san then disappeared for a few minutes and soon returned with a tray that held hot green tea and sweet rice cakes. Sitting next to me, she smiled and she commented on the colors of the evening sky as the sun began to lower. Mama-san said that she had seen me, my brother, and some other kids during each, uh, daring each other to follow a stairway path down into the cemetery. You have to understand, the path for our little home area down to the cemetery consisted of hundreds of steps, many of them broken and cracked, in and out of bushes, and at a very steep incline. It would be very dangerous to anybody but the real test was seeing how long we could take walking down the crypts at night. Mama-san wanted to explain why that was a bad idea. Many years ago during the war, Americans were thought to be the devils. Monsters that would murder innocent citizens for no reason other than to kill. That fear was the product of wartime propaganda used to encourage young men of Japanese descent into military service, service and farmers to fight alongside them. But many didn't. Many ran, and with nowhere to go, nowhere to hide, hundreds of Japanese citizens hurled themselves off a cliffside rather than face torture at the hand of their perceived enemies. I was terrified at hearing this. I had no idea this had happened. I was mortified and hit with such sadness that I started to cry right in front of Mama's son. The sun was setting in the sky as it was going from pink to blue to deep orange into red. Mama-san reached down and held my hand, telling me not to worry. This was in the past, and the past is sometimes, we must always, sometimes there, so we can always remember and never go back to it. And then she went on with her story. One young woman had followed through with this sacrifice with her two children, but she survived the fall. She was in a coma for many months. When she did regain consciousness, she was horrified to realize she was she was not with her children, but had been um, kept alive. They had the kids had been buried somewhere in the cemetery below, in an unmarked crypt that held many other bodies. The woman would spend days and nights searching for the cemetery, crying in pain. The torment of her loss was unbearable, until the day she threw herself into the ocean to hopefully once again, or once and for all, be reunited with her lost family. But they say she never found her children. Her act of self-harm doomed her to purgatory, to be separated from them forever. She would remain torture for all eternity. The sun by now had disappeared, and the cemetery drowned in inky blackness, the main path dotted with dim broken lights feebly illuminating small areas. Mama-san continued, she still wanders at the cemetery, she said, looking for her kids. And you can hear her cry. And then she pointed down. I didn't want to, but I did. I looked. In the back of the cemetery, in the deep darkness, there was a white figure. At first, a bright white shimmer caught my eye, moving slowly, kind of shaking. It moved from side to side like if it was moving among the crypts and you could actually hear her crying softly at first, but then low moans and whispers of pain as it got closer and closer. I was completely terrified. 
I wanted to run, but Mama-san held my hand and whispered that she wouldn't come up here to where we were. We were too far for her reach. But that's when we shouldn't go down there after dark, she explained to me. She said many don't know her story and call her the White Witch, which angers her. It's best to stay away from her. It's best to pray for her, Mama-san said. She comes out to here to see her often, hoping one day she will find her salvation. Needless to say, I never went down to the cemetery, not even once, and I never sat back there with Mama-san again either. That was enough for me. I did, however, visit Suicide Hill. It's called Peace Prayer Park, now out of respect. I cried the whole time we were there, and I prayed for all the lost souls and forgiveness for them. So many Japanese citizens spoke to us, welcoming us, telling us stories, sharing with us. I didn't feel worthy, and my love for the country and its people to this day is overwhelming. I'll never forget my time there. I'd like to go back to see if Mama-san is still there, or the ghost still wandering the graves looking for her children. That was a good story. I hope you guys like that. Pretty cool. <coughs> and these are all quote-unquote true stories, okay? Let's see here. Chenchi, thank you for having me here. I'm doing quite well today. Thank you so much. Reppy, what's going on, my man? Widow, Brad Pitbull, good to have you guys on the show. We'll continue with our second uh, story of the night. Let's see how we can find. Uh, this is a small. This is a, a true story. It's called the pot, the pothole, pothole murder. Eileen Elizabeth, Eileen Isabella Ronnie Gibson, better known as Gay Gibson, was an English actress who was rumored to have had a heart condition that would often go blue at the lips and faint during play rehearsals. Gibson appeared in a production of Golden Boy by Clifford Audet in South Africa in 1947. When the play wrapped, she boarded the Durban Castle, um, the Durban Castle ship, which was headed back to England. It didn't take long for one of the cruise ship stewards to notice the beautiful 21-year-old actress. According to James Camps, later claims, he and Gibson uh, were intimate in the first-class cabin before both the steward uh, were intimate in her first-class cabin before both the steward and the stewardess Bowden sounded, and the night watchman arrived. Cam was found inside the cabin, but Gibson had vanished. They had been together in a room, and all of a sudden, Mrs. Gibson had completely vanished. Cam's story about Gibson's fate has changed several times, but he insisted that Gibson had had a fit during their uh, consensual uh, meeting and that she had died. He later admitted that he had panicked when he realized that she was dead and not wanting to be blamed for any kind of foul play, he grabbed her and pushed her body through the ship's porthole. He vehemently denied any kind of uh, murdering her, saying that he only got rid of the body because he was afraid to lose both his job and his family. Despite all the changing stories and denial, Mr. Cam was convicted of Gay Gibson's murder and handed the death sentence. 
Soon after, however, the death penalty was suspended for all crimes in Britain, and Cam served only 11 years for the crime. Up to his death in 1979, he ever denied murdering Mrs. Gibson. Gay Gibson's body was never found. This one's called A Demon in Disguised. 35-year-old Daniel Harkin seemed to be a run-of-the-mill kind teacher who had a great relationship with all of her students. She taught at the Leilman and Asian Neighborhood Family Center in St. St. Petersburg, Florida, and was going through a divorce and custody battle over her two young children. Soon after her divorce was finalized in 2012, Harkin began acting severely strange. She developed a fanatical interest in religion, in particular angels and demons, and picked up uh, and pitched up at a fellow teacher's house one day, telling her, "You're okay, and you don't have any demons." Her actions were completely strange. On June 9, 2012. Daniel Harkins got a group of her students to join her in creating a small bonfire near the St. Petersburg Pier. The students thought that their teacher had planned a campfire evening for them and were completely shocked when she started accusing them of being infested with demons and demanding to be exercised. Confused and shaken up, they half-heartedly followed her instructions to dance around the campfire while chanting, but drew the line when Harkin told them to cut each other in order to free their demons from within. Infuriating by their refusal, Harkins doused one of the young people's hands in perfume and set them alight with fire. She slashed another student with a broken bottle and cauterized the wounds with a key that she had heated in the fire. She forced several others to cut themselves and similarly closed their wounds to keep the demons out. It took a few days for the students to speak up about the incident, and ever after Harkins was arrested, the students weren't terribly forthcoming with information on what happened. Harkins, too, refused to provide any details. She was released from prison after serving for only six months. Let's see. Residents of the Marina del Rey apartment complex in Los Angeles, California, were amazed to see a very realistic-looking Halloween prop on one of their neighbor's balcony in October of 2009. The prop consisted of a figure slumped over a chair and what looked like bedding draped over the railing. However, when deputies were called to the building a few days later, residents were beyond shocked when they realized that Halloween decoration they had been gawking at the entire week was in fact the decomposing body of a 75-year-old Mustafa Mahmoud Sayed. Sayed had committed by shooting himself with a shotgun. A note was found near him. Sayed had lived in the building for 34 years, was a structural engineer who had worked on high-rise buildings in the local downtown Los Angeles area. Hmm. Wow. Let's see here. So how are you guys going to man? I'm going to go here and check out the, how are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? Enjoying the show? <clears throat> well, I hope so. If you guys have any stories you want to share, or if you want to read a story to us, kind of the same thing I'm doing, join us. You can come in um, with the link I posted. Did I post the link? I'll post the link. Click on the link. Come join us. You don't have, I'm not showing your face. Just going to hear your voice. 
or you can call the number or you can click on the um, QRC code that takes you into the WhatsApp app. Let's see here. And as I said before, join our um, Art Bell channel. I have, I'm posting a lot of old Art Bell stuff in there, okay? And that is uh, YouTube. Just look for Art Bell Files. So youtube.com forward slash at Art Bell Files. That's a new channel that I started <clears throat> uh, to kind of keep a tally of all my uh, all my Art Bell stuff, old Art Bell stuff. One second here. Let me just, okay. Perfect. I'm going to look. I'm trying to get everything in one window. Sometimes I have been getting messages and not been. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, uh, one second, guys. I'm, um, I have my Google Voice number activated. Here we go. Perfect. I just want to make sure it's the same number. Let me try something out. This is live radio, folks. Um, I just want to make sure that I have I have a bunch of. Do you guys have Google Voice? I have. I just realized I have a bunch of Google Voice numbers. And uh, there's one I don't recognize, but there's one number that I'm missing. And actually one of my daughters um, has an account. She has a TikTok account. One of my daughters has a TikTok account that has like almost 20,000 followers and she lost, uh, she lost the way to get in. So I've been kind of scurrying and trying to get, um, trying to get access for her. And maybe this might be the, the account that holds the key to all that. But anyways, I'll do that later. So let's go on with our stories here. Um, what's next? What's next? Uh, let's see. This one's called... Uh, it's called Every Orphan Source Report from the IAEA is terrifying and well-documented with picture. One of the most horrifying is the Goian accident in 1987. This is a Ask Reddit. The title was, What's the Scariest 100% True Story You've Heard Of? For those that don't know, an orphan source accident is when radioactive material that has been lost, usually from an abandoned hospital, is discovered by people unaware of the dangers who inadvertently expose themselves and others to lethal or permanent disfiguring doses of radiation. So basically you're working, you're cleaning up a hospital, you come across radiation and you're taking it everywhere with you without realizing the secondary effects. You read in, uh, in horror, survivors describe people inviting their neighbors to see what oddity they found and share samples of this gooey-like material kids are playing with it because there's sparkly dust, all unaware that they have just doomed themselves by playing with radioactive material. A crude radiation exposure is truly nightmarish way to die. Your flesh starts rotting away over months while your skin grafts are ineffective. You basically deteriorate, deteriorate in pain in the hospital until an infection sets in and takes you home. 
Wow. Yeah. Imagine that, man. Your your dad works, cleans up stuff, brings his st stuff to the house. Kids are playing around with it little. They know that every time they touch it, they're they're cutting their, their, their you know they're exposing themselves to who knows how much radiation. Another Redditor post, there was an incident in Trinidad and Tobago where some maintenance divers were removing a plug from an old pipeline and were instantly sucked into it. Yeah, I'm familiar with this. I saw a YouTube on it. One was able to escape, but four others were trapped for days in a small oil-coated pipe for days <clears throat> with only a small air pocket to breathe in before they passed. Thinking about it in detail and imagining what it must be like for them to make me extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm familiar with this. These guys were, <clears throat> there's video of it. They went inside, there was a pipe uh, that had, um, it, it was, think about it as a straw, okay? You have a straw, both ends of the straw are bent, and, and it's underwater, okay? So one of the ends of the straw, these guys went in there, and they kind of cleaned the connection in between both of the straws, but they didn't realize that there was a vacuum inside. So within three seconds, um four guys get sucked in into the middle of this pipe and this pipe must have been probably like four feet and they get sucked in pretty deep maybe within a hundred feet within the pipe now they couldn't move they couldn't go forward they couldn't go backward and they happened to stumble upon a pocket of air right in the middle of the pipe uh, and they were there for about four to five days uh, and they were trying to rescue them but there was no way to get to them and one of the guys actually decided to take matters into his own hands. He held his breath and he started crawling somehow, hoping that he would encounter another air pocket. If he wasn't in, you know, if they didn't encounter another air pocket, he was gone. So uh, right when he was about to run out of air, he encountered an air pocket and then he was able to escape. Uh, unfortunately, all the, the other guys weren't, weren't able to. But yeah, there's a documentary on, online. It's pretty disturbing, but um, yeah, I, I remember that. Let's see. Yeah, these ones are not too scary. What is the creepiest, scary, strangest, unexplained story you've heard of? This is from an Ask Reddit uh, account as well. This one, let's see this one. I've shared this story before, but it still creeps the hell out of me. Growing up, there was a little girl who always freaked out. Um, the other neighbors and the other kids that are around. For example, she told all the girls that in the forest behind her house there were dead, bloody people. All the kids freaked out and told their parents, which resulted in all the dads doing a search in the forest to see if this little girl's story was plausible, only to find hot pocket wrappers and empty beer bottles all around. After that, all the neighbors' kids refused to go near her house and play with her, including myself. A few years later, my parents got a divorce. The day that they moved uh, came to my dad. The day that they that the movers came to my dad's house to get my mom's stuff out, the girl came out of nowhere. She said, "Matt didn't like that." She said that Matt didn't like that my parents were getting a divorce. I had no idea who Matt was. Apparently, Matt knew who I was, and he was upset about my situation. My dad ended up telling me that Matt was her imaginary friend that uh, was often too physical. Even though I stopped being friends with her, her parents were still friends with my dad. So he knew the backstory. He knew who Matt was and he knew that uh, Matt was physical with her, which her parents had told my dad was probably self-inflicted uh, wounds. Her parents told my dad that Matt could control the lights 
odd, even making the power go out uh, one at a time. Matt also knocked uh, on the doors at night, but if he was ignore, ignore, the banging on the door would start uh, louder. Two years after my parents' divorce, my dad decided that he would invite uh, the whole family over to catch up to our old home. I was begging my dad not to, but he said that it would be nice to have everybody over again. So when the family that used to live next to us, including the girl, came over, my dad said to show the girl my bedroom since I got a new TV. I showed her to my room and she's acting very normal by this time and complimented my room. I was still creeped out because she had just sat on the floor while I tried to put a movie into my DVD player and I had no intention of uh, becoming a friend or watching a movie with her. And I kid you not, but out of nowhere, mid-conversation, the most weird voice said, Matt's here. At that exact moment, the lights flicker, and I ran to my room crying. Her parents ran into my room and dragged their daughter out and went home. There goes the evening. I refused to sleep in my bedroom for weeks after that. My dad and I haven't heard much from that family ever since. Uh, I heard that Matt still controls the lights, but I don't know if he is still around. Uh, even to this day, when the lights flicker, all the ball breaks, I still get scared. Hmm. Let's see. All right. Let's see. Let me turn to the... All right, you guys, I hope you're enjoying the show again. It's scary stories. I think a lot of people like this format, and I enjoy it, too. It gives me a little bit more uh, time for myself. So let's see here. Okay, so what is the scariest story ever heard? A fictional or true account? Quora. This is, if you guys are familiar with Quora, there's a story here that I read. Um... Anonymous, posted 10 years ago, answering anonymously because my friend thinks of me as the bravest person among them. But this story certainly scared me when I read it for the first time. My uncle told me this story, his personal experience with his friend Ronnie. One day, Ronnie was browsing the internet. He read a story about a certain suspension bridge that was located close to their home. The the website had plenty of pictures of the bridge and the surrounding area. The next time he met my uncle, he told him about the bridge. It was an old suspension bridge that crossed over a deep gorge. And for some unknown reason, it was known as a spot that uh, was notorious for ending somebody. Every year, at least five or ten people would go there and end their life off the bridge. Nobody could explain why. They said that the spot was haunted by the ghost of all the people who had done things there previously. When my uncle went home that evening, he decided that he had to check out the bridge. He desperately wanted to see a ghost. So that very night, he set out to the mountains where the bridge was located. It took him about a half an hour to get there. It was almost midnight by the time he arrived uh, at the bridge, and there was not a single person around. It was very dark and deathly quiet. The atmosphere was so spooky and ominous that it sent chills down his spine. People just fool others about this place, he muttered to himself as he cautiously walked the edge of the gorge and peered down into the depths. He began thinking about all of the people who had cast themselves into darkness. It was so fascinating that he felt forced to tell his friends Ronnie all about it, so he pulled out his cell phone to call Ronnie. However, since he was so high up in the mountains, he couldn't get any corner of reception. 
Looking around, my uncle noticed a phone booth standing very nearby. He went inside, put in some coins in the slot, and dialed Ronnie's number. Hello, Ronnie. Guess who's speaking, he said. I am at the same bridge that you told me earlier. Why don't you come here and join me tonight? It's very pleasant and quiet here. You'll like it. Uh, why not, replied Ronnie. I haven't seen that place on Google. Uh, I haven't seen that place on Google, but wait there. I'm coming. By the way, where are you calling me from? <coughs> Excuse me. My uncle laughed. Oh, my, my phone was out of range, so I'm calling you from a payphone that happens to be near the bridge. His friend was confused. A payphone? There's no payphone there. There's no payphones there. I was there. Uh, if there were any, I would have seen it on the photos that I've researched. B.S., he said. There is a payphone on the way to the bridge. Now, don't don't take too long. There are people waiting outside for their turn, turn to call. All of a sudden, while I, I was calling Ronnie, uh, he said that a lot of people started showing up. I guess just, just like me, curiosity. Uh, and they probably couldn't get reception, so they were waiting for the phone itself. Um, as soon as he said this, Ronnie said, No, 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 don't move from there. I know that place. I'm coming in 15 minutes. Just stay inside the payphone and don't put down the phone. He said, But wait, you just told me there's no phone here. What's going on, Ronnie? And the phone hanged up. When his friend hung up, my uncle felt a wave of fear enveloping him. He didn't put down, uh, he picked up the phone again as though he was going to make a call and didn't pull down. The people outside the booth were staring at him, wondering, like, what was going on. Uh, but the look in their eyes sent a shiver down my uncle's spine. Fifteen minutes later, when Ronnie arrived at the suspension bridge, he found his friend standing at the very edge of the bridge. He was holding his cell phone against his ear, and he had no clue what he was doing. There was no phone booth. No line of people waiting to use the phone. And if he had moved an inch, he would have fallen off the edge. Hmm. Yeah, that was pretty creepy. Let's see here. Let me go to the... All right, let's see what other. The other ones kind of seem, I'm, I'm just kind of going in through. Some of them seem um, like folk tales. All right, top, uh, this is a weird ex exorcism story, Clara Germana Sell. In 1906, Clara Germana Sell, a 16-year-old schoolgirl living in South Africa, was allegedly possessed by a demon. Rumen has it that she made a pact with Satan and very soon after began to exhibit signs of possession. She could understand languages like Polish and French, which she had no former, former knowledge of. Most disturbing was the fact that she would intermittently levitate vertically and horizontally about five feet into the air. She attempted to choke the priest who was performing the exorcism, um, but then it ended in success as the priest was able to exorcise the demon and she came back to full normalcy. Yeah, what do you guys think about exorcism? Huh? These things are pretty gnarly.
and see what other stories we can find. And if you, you I'm sure you guys got stories. You guys wanna? Should call us. We can discuss some cool stuff. Uh, readers, voice in the desert. Two young men in their 20s, Josh and Dan, went on a camping trip together in the desert of New Mexico. Didn't take much with them besides a sleeping bag, food, and materials for a fire. After they cooked their dinner, they fell asleep as they gazed up into the starry night sky. The beauty and peace of the trip were short-lived, however. In the early hours of the morning, Josh was startled awake by what sounded like Dan's voice, but frantic. The voice said, come here quickly, look. Sleeping and confused, Josh got up to see what his friend was talking about. He heard again, come here, quick, look. It sounded unnatural, a perfect repetition. Josh took a few steps forward and then someone grabbed him from behind. He turned around to see Dan with his fingers in front of his mouth, warning Josh to keep quiet. They rolled up their sleeping bag and left. They still don't know who or what was trying to lure Josh away from the desert. Wow. A young bachelor at the beginning of his career became very successful very quickly, so he bought himself a house. One morning, he awoke to the sounds of running water. He rushed to the bathroom and saw that the bathtub faucet was running at full blast. He was perturbed by this as he lived alone. A week later, it happened again, only this time it wasn't just one faucet. It was all the faucets in the house. The young man called a repair band to fix the pipes and the water damage, but as it turned out, the pipes were not broken. The repairman, a, locker, uh, a local, seemed visibly shaken. What's wrong? The bachelor asked. The woman who lived here before you, said the repairman, she drowned in the same bathtub. Jen went to the same convenience store every day after school for a snack. Over time, she became good friends with the cashier, Lucy. Out of curiosity, one day, Jen asked Lucy how she would stop somebody if they tried to steal from the store. Lucy replied, Oh, no one ever steals anything from here twice. The store won't let them. Jen didn't know what that meant, but dropped the subject. When she went back to the store at the start of the next school week, Jen walked in to find Lucy talking to some cops. Apparently, a man had stolen from the store and drove off, but his brakes mysteriously failed and his car went soaring off a cliff. Cliff. The cops asked Lucy if she knew what happened. No, she said. I was stuck in the back room. I didn't even know he'd come in. No one steals twice. These are true stories. Three little girls were having a sleepover one night when they decided to try to hold a seance. One of the girls, Clara, recently lost her grandma and wanted to see if she could commute with her spirit. The three girls gathered some candles and a few items that belonged to the late grandfather. His watch, late grandmother, his watch, a cigar case, and a photograph of him, of her. The girls held hands and start, uh, started the seance. Suddenly, the candles began to flicker and the hands on the watch began to spin. Clara was sure that it was her grandma. Elated, she began to talk to her and ask her questions. When all of a sudden, one of the candles flew as if by some invisible force and almost hit her in the head. Grandma would never do that, she said, shaking. She was right. It wasn't her grandma. And whomever it was, it clearly did not like being disturbed. That's why you should always be careful when summoning, summoning spirits or using the Ouija board. One night, a group of adults was having a dinner party. There were six of them, and they had, just, uh, they had all just taken their seats when they heard an unexpected knock at the door. The woman hosting the dinner party opened the door to see who it could possibly be, but there was no one there. Somebody must have realized that they had the wrong address, she explained to her guests. 
But when they all turned their attention back to the table, there was a seventh plate set. Was this plate the year before? One of the men asked. I uh, must have set an extra plate by mistake, said the hostess, looking very confused. She took it back to the kitchen, but when she returned, another plate was there, this time with a glass next to it. The other guests had been talking among themselves and hadn't seen anything strange. But when they realized what had just happened, they were shocked and they didn't know what to do. At this point, they figured the best strategy was to play along, so they filled the empty glass plate so as to not upset the mysterious uninvited guests. There was a very famous story back in the late 80s, early 90s that circulated in Beijing. The story goes like this. One night, the last bus of Line 375 had one driver, one conductor, and two passengers, an elderly guy and a young woman. The bus next uh, to last stop was located near a graveyard. And this night, when the bus stopped, two men carrying the third man got onto the bus. Soon after the bus took off, the elderly guy suddenly started to argue with the young man, accusing him of stealing his money. The young man insisted of his innocence. The conductor got tired of it, and in, it's the last shift, he said. She really didn't want to deal with it, so he asked the driver to stop the car and asked the passengers to get off the bus. The two got off, and the young man said to the old guy, Why are you accusing me of stealing? I did not do anything, the old man said. You should thank me for saving your life. The two guys carried the third guy. None of them are alive. The bus went missing that night. It never arrived at the last stop, and no one knows what happened. Later, the bus was found in some random road side ditch. Both the driver and the conductor were unalived. The three men were nowhere to be found. A man went to a hotel and walked up to the front desk to check in. The woman at the desk gave him his keys and told him that on the way to the room there was a door with no number. That door was locked and no one was allowed inside. She explained that it was a storeroom and that it was out of bounds. She reminded him of this several times before allowing him upstairs. So he followed the instructions of the woman at the front desk, going straight to his room and going to bed. However, the insistence of the woman had piqued his curiosity. So the next night he walked down the hall to the door and tried the handle. Sure enough, it was locked. He bent down and looked through the wide uh, keyhole and cold air passed through it, chilling his eye. What he saw was a hotel bedroom like his, and in the corner was a woman whose skin was incredibly pale. She was leaning her head against the wall, facing away from the door. He stared in confusion for a while. Was this uh, some kind of celebrity? The owner's daughter? He almost knocked on the door out of curiosity, but decided not to do so. As he was still looking, the woman turned sharp, sharply and he jumped back from the door, hoping she would not suspect that he had been spying on her. He crept away from the door and walked back to his room. The next day, he returned to the door and looked through the wide keyhole. This time, all he saw was redness. He couldn't make anything out besides a distinct red color unmoving. Perhaps the inhabitants of that room knew that he was spying the night before and had blocked the keyhole with something red. He felt very embarrassed that he had made the woman so uncomfortable and hoped that she had not made a complaint with the woman in the front desk. At this point, he decided to consult her for more information. 
After some gentle quizzing and the promise that the explanation will go no further than him, she finally said, well, I might as well tell you the story of what happened in that particular room. A few years ago, a man murdered his wife in there. We find that even now, people get uncomfortable staying there. But these people were not ordinary. They were white all over except their eyes, which were red. Some cool stories here. Let's see. Clutch says, Lisa Lamb's story will be interesting. Yeah, I thought about that. Um, for those who don't know, the Lisa Lamb is the lady that uh, was found at the Cecil. Excuse me. She was found at the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Black-eyed children. That's funny. I was listening to Art Bell yesterday, and he had open lines, and uh, they had a time traveler line, and one of the time traveler guys I called said that he was kidnapped by black-eyed children and that he was meant to be um, recruit more people and travel uh, through time recruiting and he sounded super, super sketchy, and he was like freaking out. And Art actually <laughs> ended up hanging the call because he said that it was a, he had a very strange feeling from it. Uh, we need to find longer stories. They're better at night to invest into while you are resting. Yeah, I'll, I'll find. I'm sure there's a. You, you think it will be easy to find like scary stories? Not really, um, unless they're like from a book or something. But those stories will probably be like hours long. But uh, I hope you guys are happy with what we have been able to provide so far. But I'll see. Uh, uh, maybe, um, yeah, the Lisa Lamb story is cool. It's just that, you know, um, there's a whole Netflix thing on her. And uh, I would kind of do a disservice by sort of skimming. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, It's pretty interesting. You guys can look at, look at the Cecil, uh, Cecil Hotel. C-E-C-I-L Hotel. Uh, it's in Netflix. Her name is Lisa Lamb, L-A-M. What's the last name? And the Black Eyed Children, I never really delved too much into it. Maybe I'll uh, hit it up in one of these days. Okay. So um, I think next uh, week, maybe I'll be conducting some interviews. I've been kind of casting a wide net, if you will, on people that are uh, might be interested in coming in <clears throat> and joining us which you know it's uh, i enjoy um i enjoy doing the interviews more than i do just doing everything else but um you know here we go yeah so probably next week we'll we'll get some interviews going um and then just keep posting to the channel keep uh you know, casting, like I said, a white net to finally get this thing going in the direction of having people call, which will be my ultimate goal, you know, to have, um, to make it into a legit call and interview show, which you guys would probably enjoy. So, yeah, maybe uh, I'll think if I can do something different tomorrow. Otherwise, if I find some cool stories, I'll probably share share them. I hope you guys enjoy them. I enjoy reading to you guys and um thank you all for joining tonight we're kind of heading into that hour uh, show and you guys can always join live i know i keep saying that but uh, it, it would be good to have you on 
you know we don't judge uh so it's easy actually to do radio or uh you know quote unquote podcast because uh you don't have to show your face it's just your voice and um you know takes a couple of minutes and then you'll get used to it. it's like talking on the phone with people <clears throat> okay so with that being said um go ahead and subscribe go to go to the site go to my site uh, strangedayslive.com and scroll down and kind of join all the or all, all the other media outlets that we we have we have an instagram page that has kind of recently started you can do a twitter follow-up you can do a facebook follow-up and follow our other uh channel with all things art bell at youtube.com forward slash at art bell files you'll enjoy it because i'll be posting like i said i'll be posting some really old shows there Okay, and you're going to enjoy listening to our bell. The quality is not the best, but uh, it's stories that you probably have never heard before, which is cool. So with that being said, I thank you guys for joining tonight. Uh, she'll be here tomorrow at 7 uh, p.m. And uh, put some suggestions in the comment section about maybe some topics that you would like me to research for you guys or something that you would like us to discuss here. Okay, so with that being said, guys, God bless you and have a good, good night.